Welcome to the Growth Through Grief podcast, where we interview individuals just like you about their journey from loss to growth, along with mental health experts, growth guides, all with the purpose of helping you heal better, improve mind, body, and spirit, and find your new purpose from the loss and the tragedy that you have experienced. Hi, I'm Tom Pasello, your host. I'm a growth evangelist. Uh, as well as, unfortunately, being a fellow widower, having lost my beautiful bride of 19 years, Judy, some uh, four and a half, five years ago. My guest today is Helen Keeling Neal. She is a licensed mental health counselor, a licensed marriage and family therapist, and a nationally certified counselor with private practice Kingfisher Counseling. Uh, prior to her work in mental health, Helen was a creative, uh, serving as an adjunct professor at UCF, University of Central Florida, in radio television production. She was the director of My Art Studio, which I believe was a children's art studio and program. And she was also president of multimedia agency Emerge Media. Uh, Helen also has personal experience with grief and loss as a widow, her husband passing away when her children were gosh, only four and six years old. Uh, we're here to discuss a mental health topic that has, I'm sure, been had a big impact on many of us over the past two years with COVID. And I'm so grateful for Helen being able to put a name on this for the first time and shape it uh, so we can expand our understanding and address the issue. Because before I talked to Helen about this, I had no idea what to call what we were experiencing with grief and loss of our spouse and our loved one, along with grief and loss through COVID and through recession and everything else that we're facing. So, Helen, welcome. Thank so, you. Uh, Happy yeah. to be here. Yeah. It's so awesome to have you as well and to talk about this important issue. So many of us, um, as I said, haven't just lost our spouse. We've been faced with several other challenges all mm -hmm. at once. And you referred to yeah. this, and it was the first time I had ever heard of this, uh, called compound grief. What is compound grief? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's the layering on top of incidents and experiences when the underlying grief has not been released or processed. So there's been no chance to really get current and what mm -hmm. you end up with just packed down feelings, packed down loss, packed down to the extent where it can really affect someone's life negatively. And, and of course, you know, we have that and we see that in someone that may have lost a parent and then years later lost a spouse, but recently we're seeing it just compounded by the number of losses, this global loss that we're experiencing um, not just of people, but safety, feeling of safety, well-being, health, job. Yeah. Security. And as you said, there are definitely widowers in our group. Um, Chris is one example who lost his wife and then immediately had to deal with COVID. He was the president of a university yeah. and he had to come back from burying his wife uh, in uh, where their hometown was, come back here to Florida and um, start to make some serious COVID decisions for the university and dealing with his own family health issues and, and uh, safety and other things like that. And um, he admits, you know, he had a hard time because he didn't process the grief before all of a sudden there was this kind of piling on. 
he's in a crisis. He's in a crisis after a crisis. It's just really difficult for him. Yeah. Yeah. So what I want to understand is hearing Chris's story and knowing that his story is not mm. one that's isolated, that many of us were dealing with the same issue of losing a loved one and then all of a sudden having COVID and other health issues and maybe losing other loved ones through that, or at least worrying about mm. our jobs, our family, a change in lifestyle. Uh, I was on the road constantly and now I was home all the time. So major changes yeah. in lifestyle, no longer having the office to go to. And then many of us are suffering now from inflation, recession, whatever else it might be. It's it's piling on, as you indicate. What happens yes. to, uh, first of all, let's talk about what happens to our mind and, mm -hmm. and our body as well yeah. when we experience this compound grief. Yeah. Well, you know, what can happen is, and I'll use a, a layered series of losses as an example, uh, an example being maybe someone's lost a, um, a spouse to cancer mm -hmm. and then lost a parent to cancer uh, or some kind of illness. So, you know, just the fact of being around someone who's not well can be a trigger and can activate the amygdala, holds the memories, holds the sources of what you've been through. Uh, the amygdala will then uh, send out a 911, oh my gosh. You know, if I was to put into words in that case, it might be somebody's gonna be, somebody's gonna die. Oh my gosh, somebody's gonna die. It's more of a, you know, insert curse word here because it's that big of a response. Mm -hmm. So they send out the emergency signal, the frontal cortex, so the frontal lobes go offline, the ones mm -hmm. that think things through and be like, no, it's okay. You know, that's not what's happening right now. That goes away. The limbic system that holds all the emotions and the feelings uh, takes over. So instead of a thinking response, it's an emotional response. Mm -hmm. And then the, the reptilian brain, the brainstem right back here, goes into the physiological response. Somebody might have a panic attack. They might suddenly just tense up and get really angry and flare at someone. And, or, or, you know, we see road rage is a great example of this. Mm -hmm. It's just like, the, what are these idiots going? Get out of my way, you idiots. Um, so it's a full-on brain response, and it's like a trauma response. Yeah, and so fight, flight, or freeze is that kind of a mm -hmm. response, right, that occurs, so the three Fs? Yes, but we can add to that. It's not just fight, flight, freeze. We have fawn, submit, and collapse. So there are actually more to that now. You know, the, the, the freeze, the deer in the headlights, that's a... Mm -hmm. That's a response. That's a, a limbic system response for a deer. And a lot of people will freeze and become inactive. And we see a lot of that deep-seated depression at the, at the bottom of the freeze. So people will go hypo-affect, sort of below the line, think numb, think shutting down, uh, not motivated, or hyper-affect very, very big overt feelings. They're both intense feelings, just differently responded to in the limbic system. So the submit, the freeze, and the, the, the fauna down here, the fight, flight, flee are up here. Yeah, well, that's a great way to explain it. And I think everyone heard of the kind of fight or flight, but they forget that these kind of submissive, uh, kind of hypo, mm -hmm. um, reactions yeah. are also something that many, many experience, and I would say probably more so 
than the hyper, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And can experience, you can experience more than one. It can be in a sort of an arc. You can go from hyper <laughs> to hypo. Yeah. I was definitely in that. I would have the times of um, kind of pulling inside and just not wanting to, you know, face mm -hmm. the world. Uh, and then uh, I remember an incident where uh, someone drove by my house too fast and I was in bare feet. A friend of mine was with me and I actually started chasing after the person in, in a fit of <laughs> I can relate. And I know that that would normally not <laughs> yes. yeah. You know, I am right, Italian right. and I do have a little bit of a temper, but that was a little bit overboard yeah. and I was throwing every curse word I possibly could remember, including <laughs> yeah. some in Italian at this person uh, as they were driving by. And my friend was like, wow, that was interesting. And luckily he kind of recognized that it wasn't a reaction to that person driving fast that I was feeling, you know, some of these right. compound grief feelings, having lost my dad and then losing yeah. my wife, Judy, some six months later. Um, it was definitely a response to that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A trauma response. Yeah. Helen, you didn't know you were going to be I'm pulling you, up. By the way, I'm the fight. Say that again. I said, you didn't know you were going to be pulling up the couch for me today as a mental health counselor. I did. Did <laughs> I didn't know, but let's go for it. Let's get in there. We can do Awesome. That. So, so you were saying how you tend to react. Tell me about that. Yeah, well, I'm very similar to you and I go into fight. I'm a lot better about it now because I have enough information to be able to sort of be like, oh, you know, a good clue is intense feeling means you've been hijacked. And sometimes the feeling is not and happy, mad, sad, whatever. It's I think the word is anguish sometimes. Such a, anguish is such a good word. That feeling of anguish of loss is so much better at describing the feeling of that intense loss, I think, than angry, sad. Um, so I go in to fight or I go into curled up in a sobbing ball on the couch <laughs> so they're both hyper um affect and and i i go into fight a lot in any response to any kind of traumatic thing so i we were we were burglarized once the kids and i and we just moved it was about a year after david's death mm -hmm. and we came home and there was someone burglarizing our house oh my goodness so move forward three months I hear a car alarm go off. It wakes me up at five in the morning. What do I do? I'm you. I'm running down the street because I'm going to punch him. I'm going to get him. I'm like out of the house, running down the street with my phone. And I'm gonna, I am don't know what I'm going to do with the phone, but somebody's going down. Somebody was going to go down. You know, I was in my 40s. This was not a rational response. My frontal lobe was not online. So, yeah, yeah. that's how I am, too. Yeah. And the primitive kind of takes over. So, and we need to give ourselves grace with that, right? It isn't as, as we Definitely. both have explained, I mean, we are smart people. We know about this stuff. Yeah. We know the science, yeah. uh, we know the mental health impacts and yet it still takes over. Yeah. Yeah. I think grace so, is super important. Mm -hmm. Grace and understanding. It's not that I wanted to react that way. It's just that you did, yeah. It's it's subconscious in a lot of ways. And like you said, your uh, prefrontal lobes, your neocortex kind of mm -hmm. shuts down, right? Um, which has a couple of impacts, right? So first is mm -hmm. what happens when we try to make 
decisions when we're under this mm-hmm. compound grief, when we're under this anxiety, the emotions, the the stress. Yeah. Yeah. So so with an activated limbic system, it colors everything. It changes everything. The decisions or the thoughts or even the process would be different if our frontal cortex was engaged. But from the emotional viewpoint, uh, my thought, if I use that as an example, my running down the road because I'm going to get someone, uh, my irrational thought, <laughs> or if there's any thought at all, is I'm going to get these MFers and somebody's going to get hurt. You know, because <laughs> nobody is going to go through being burglarized. Again, you know, yeah. Knowing that for me, looking like that was a compounded feeling response to not having my protector around anymore, not having my guy in the house who would have handled mm-hmm. anything like that. You mm-hmm. know, here's me on my own now with my kids. So I, this is how I reacted. So um, we're looking through a filter of emotion and decision making when in that colored place, that emotionally colored place, or even communication from within that emotionally colored place rarely gets us what we need or want. We think it's going to. If I yell at someone, I think it's going to get me that response that I want or I'm looking for that need met, but it just doesn't work that way. It really doesn't. So what we have to do is bring the frontal cortex back online. It's the noticing brain. It's the noticing part of the brain so that we can then calm the limbic system, soothe the brainstem, settle the amygdala down. It's okay. It's not a crisis, not an emergency. Um, and then yeah, and so start what, to think it through. Helen, what are some of the tools that we can use to, you know, kind of transcend and overcome the impacts of compound mm-hmm. grief and some of these, these reactions you're saying calm the, the limbic system, calm the primitive brain so we can mm-hmm. kind of get out of fight, flight, or freeze. But how do you mm-hmm. do that? Um, you know, when yeah. you're triggered, it's not that easy sometimes. Right, right. Yeah, so it isn't. And it's a process to learn how to do that. Um, and there's a, a few things I do. One of the techniques I'll use, I'll give you an example of um, this with, um, the, for instance, working with a veteran who lost a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's a particular grief and loss situation, right? And so when the amygdala sounds that 911, what I have my clients do is I have them create a character. You always talk about what does your amygdala look like? This particular guy decided it was going to be somebody sitting in a tank with a head exploding, like a cartoon head exploding. Mm-hmm. With a, this was going to represent what his 911 alarm firing looked like and so he would just practice whenever he got those intense feelings seeing this this guy in the tank this cartoon guy with his head exploding and then we developed for him to represent his frontal cortex coming back online it was um i can't remember what kind of army uh rank it was but he would come in and we'd go sir yes sir false alarm, sir, and he'd have an envelope in his hand. So the image of this military person coming in and giving to the guy in the tank this envelope that says, sir, okay to stand down, sir. It's a false alarm, sir. And this would be the way he would get his frontal cortex back online. And then he'd be able to like, okay, let's look at this situation. 
no, my child has a cold. They're not going to die. It's just a cold. Or no, that loud noise was not a gunshot. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's one of the ways to sort of um, create these characters and then work within that imagery. That represent, really and those characters represent mm-hmm. the pieces of your brain that are overreacting yes. and taking yes. over. And that you want to, your general, your governor, you want to take over from from the right. uh, explosion. Yeah. Right, right. So for me, have you ever seen the movie Inside Out? It was a Pixar movie and it had joy who represented happiness and it had anger, envy, sadness. The whole premise of the movie is Joy thinks there's no place for anger and sadness and those kind of things, right? So the anger character in that is this little red guy who just gets so angry. So that's who I have for my amygdala, this little <laughs> red angry guy. <laughs> and then for my frontal cortex is I bring in this very soothing sort of calm, sparkly, pale blue light that comes in, you know. And I love it that. Just, uh, yeah. just wraps it around it and says it's okay. I so have not used thing. that. Yeah, I have not used that technique. So I absolutely love that you're communicating mm-hmm. this, and I'll definitely have to uh, to write about it and make sure I include it in uh, in my amygdala hijack article. Yes, yes, and it's really good because the whole idea is to bring on that you can notice that you're in a reaction. Mm-hmm. And so you can bring the and thinking then, yeah. part of the brain back on and transcend the feeling part, yeah. which is taken over. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I use a lot of EMDR with clients. EMDR is eye movement desensitization reprocessing. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's a protocol that's used for trauma. Originally, it was developed for trauma, but you can use it for anxiety, for grief, for loss. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a wonderful technique, but you do need to go see somebody who's trained in it and see a therapist for that. But what and Helen, you can do explain, is... Oh, I'm sorry. Just mm-hmm. can you explain what EMDR is for those who might not know what it what it's all about with the, the lateral yeah. eye movements? And yeah. Yes, exactly. And so you may see it on some of the, the police shows nowadays. We'll see a light bar and somebody is looking at the light bar and they're just tracking with their eyes back and forth, or you might have seen the interview with Prince Harry. He talked about using EMDR, and he showed the tapping in the Mm -hmm. interview. And so it works similar to REM sleep in that um, it's bilateral. So when we're in REM, our eyes go back and forth. You're wide awake in this, completely awake. But what happens when you have trauma or, or those intense stored feelings from a loss, we store the feelings in a belief, a negative belief, or um, a a cognitive belief, or a distorted belief. So one might be, uh, I'm going to, I'm always going to be alone, or everybody dies, or uh, I should have done more, Mm -hmm. all these kind of things. So what we do is we go in and we access with the bilaterals using this identified belief, negative belief, and creating a positive belief that we want to think instead. And we go in and process the feelings in connection with that negative belief, and then install the positive belief. And it's really amazing. I was actually working working with someone who, you know, it's the trauma of loss that is so difficult. So I uh, working with someone recently who has had uh, 
a loss after a long period of grueling care <laughs> for their loved one. And that journey is so painful and so difficult and so overwhelming. And, and then people end up being so hard on themselves because they're angry or frustrated with their loved one because it is so incredibly stressful. They're in like months or years of flooded cortisol stress. And so after that will come these intense feelings, guilt combined with relief mm -hmm. or a visual. One of the things I had with my husband was a visual. He died in hospice, right? At the very end, he was in hospice. And there was one particularly awful moment. And I'm not going to describe it in detail because it's not necessary. We don't need to mm -hmm. um, trigger anybody here. But this image of him, and it was a medical piece, stuck with me for so long mm -hmm. and it was just awful so when I would think of him that's the image that I went to and I had to clear that image with EMDR and it was so helpful and it, did. it cleared it for me so we use it to clear that and replace it with the positive statement uh, I will be okay yeah. I can't live without him might be the negative belief mm -hmm. I will be okay mm -hmm. um I need to be strong and not show my feelings. I'm allowed to show my feelings and grief, mm -hmm. whatever it might be that's related to that event. So EMDR is wonderful. So you can use uh, taps. We have these little vibrating buzzers we call tappers or a light bar. I've got a light bar over there and stuff, but um, really, really helpful. Excellent. And any more, yeah. Helen? Mm -hmm. Tons more. Tons more. <laughs> because identifying the feeling is a key, right? So if you know, for instance, that you're feeling agitated, uh, you're maybe not necessarily able to connect it to the grief, but you're just feeling agitated in your body and restless and uh, go to a batting cage. Whack the heck out of batting cage, go play tennis against a ball machine, you know, uh, walking always good. It's bilateral. Mm -hmm. So that's what EMDR is bilateral. So it's processing uh, hugely important. Go to a group, your group. Wonderful. Amazing. Connecting with others who've experienced this loss. So, so important so that someone's not sitting alone with the way that they feel. Mm -hmm. and feeling isolated from because one of the big things is is the change in your social life this change in your social position going from a couple to a single mm -hmm. big deal socially and so then breathing as well any more writing yeah. sorry yeah. go ahead yeah writing is one that i use helen definitely and breathing mm -hmm. is another technique uh yoga breaths box yeah. breaths um even a simple yeah. chew in through the nose and one out through the mouth, if you don't want to get into a complex box breath, can be really, really effective at calming. Yeah, definitely. What is it? And Seven breaths, right? I'm triggered. That raises yeah. the alpha waves. Yeah. Yeah. When I'm triggered and I want to kind of quickly try to address it, that to me is always a go-to. You know, if that song comes yeah. on and I all of a sudden feel those feelings well up and I know I'm going to burst mm -hmm. into tears, it's like... <sighs> mm -hmm try to do some quick breaths to kind of bring it back down and start thinking through it, yeah. you know, and processing. Yes. Depending on where you are, yeah. depending on where you are. Cause if that song comes on and you're in a place where you can let those tears fly, 
really let important to let them <laughs> Exactly. Let them rip. Yeah. Let them rip. And, and if you're in a place where you can add a sound to it, add a howl to it, add a, an expression. If we were in a different country, you know, in some countries you'd have paid mourners to wail as you walk mm -hmm. through the streets. In other countries, you would wail yourself. And we don't wail. In this culture, mm -hmm. we're so repressed on that. It's all like, keep it small. Oh, well, they're in a better place. And oh, well, this. And they had a good life. Well, you know, honestly, fuck that. It's not how it works. Because that's not how it works. It just teaches everybody to shut it down. Yeah. I, I was working with a couple of kids. Their, their mom had left to go somewhere and didn't come back. Wow. Because she was murdered. Right? Now, these kids were left by themselves. And when they came to me, they, they just didn't want anything to do with anybody. And, and it, one of them was 10. And, and he was my first one out of the siblings. And, and literally, in that session, he sat on the floor. And he howled. Now, we're taught to, like, calm that, shush that, shut it down. Well, this boy needed to howl. And I just sat at a distance because he wasn't even, you, you know, this is our first session. He didn't even want to be there. And I just mm -hmm. sat, like, a couple of feet away, and I just was like, yep, that sounds exactly right. Yeah. And, Helen, and I think this is really about 30 for... minutes. Yeah. It's really important for men um, to hear this, I think, because a lot of us do repress, right? So we're talking about there are ways to get control of your feelings and emotions so you can think again. And that is important. But mm -hmm. there are other times where you just need to let it go. And that's all right. And in yes. fact, it's healthy. Yet big boys don't it, cry, important. right, is what we've heard growing up. You know, yes. get, get up and brush it off. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and honestly, this culture does a disservice to both genders because, you know, men are taught that they are not allowed to be a sad, but they are allowed to get angry to a certain level. Hmm. Right. Women are taught that they're mm -hmm. not allowed to get angry, but they are allowed to be sad to a certain level. And, and, mm -hmm. and so, you know, I think this is why it's so wonderful that you have your group. There is nothing better than a man embracing that sadness and letting it out. Mm -hmm. That is really being a man. To be able to be that vulnerable and to express that, it's the greatest role modeling you can do for your child. It's the greatest example of being a, a, a man, a human being, of processing the feelings, hugely important. And, and likewise with anger done in a safe way, all of it done in a safe way, right? Yeah, totally agree. And Helen, I think one of the mistakes I made early on was trying to be way too stoic, particularly with my children. Yeah. Um, okay. I did not show the emotion. I was like, I'm gonna be the rock. I'm gonna be the rock for everyone around mm -hmm. me. And mm -hmm. um, I think it took a while for them to understand that I was grieving and that I was feeling these deep feelings and how, how really, truly I was sad uh, because I wasn't yeah. showing it, you know? And, and so yeah. I think there's definitely a beauty in being able to do it and, you know, and, and express yourself and make sure that that full range yeah. of feelings is expressed and not just hide it or push it down Yeah, because it will come back up in ways yeah. that we don't expect it to at the wrong time. Right. 
Yeah. 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 Or physically, right? Physical yeah. wellness yeah. As anger. will be affected by that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm-hmm. Helen, what's As anger or, or even health. Yeah. Yeah. And health issues, right? Uh, heart attack mm-hmm. um, among, among some yeah. that, that you can have if you exactly. suppress it long enough for as deeply as many of us do. Um, mm-hmm. Helen, what's yeah. one piece of advice you'd like to leave our, our widowers and our growth warriors with today? Mm. You know, I was thinking about this because I was thinking about it ahead of time. Um, your path is your path. And your journey through grief is yours. And don't let anybody tell you differently. You can do this in the way that is right for you. And don't forget, it's non-linear. You may be the kind of person like me where you want to be two weeks from today. I'm going to be through this and off we go. That's it. Let me schedule it on my calendar. And and it doesn't work like that. It's non-linear. And it's going to pop up when you least expect it. And when it pops up, if you can't open the door, don't push it back down. I love that, Helen. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're we're going to include your email address so folks who want more information about some of the therapy you mentioned or anything else can reach out to you and please do so. Mm-hmm. Helen is more than happy to respond uh, as she can Absolutely. as a mental health counselor. Obviously, she's got parameters, but um, she can definitely help, hopefully, and guide you in the right direction. Helen, thank you Absolutely. so much. That was so insightful. You're welcome, Tom. Thank you all for listening into our Grow Through Grief podcast. Uh, If you like what you heard, make sure you hit the like. Make sure you subscribe so you can get updates. Keep up on the latest episodes. And until next time, growth warriors, keep growing.